Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week, we welcome to the Homebrew Pub, my friend Billy, a.k.a. on Twitter, GamDude. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. We we first started talking over Twitter because I was like, hey, come on my other podcast, and you came on and talked about Loki. Oh, yeah. Which was it a lot of fun. It all started with Endgame. It is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Undisputed. Undisputed. Um, unless you're me. <laughs> But but how have things been? Pretty good. Yeah? I'm hanging in there. Brewing. Brewing. Working. Welcome to the Homebrew Pub, the mystical pub where the only pub in the universe where every beer on tap is supplied by a homebrewer. So my question here, as we ask everyone, is what's your approach to brewing? You got to start with what do you want to drink? Yeah. Right? So I usually start with that and that is heavily influenced by the tremendous amount of podcasts I listen to, I think. I get a lot of ideas from listening to people like you, you know, a lot of other podcasts and, you know, what everyone else is brewing. And then once I get the idea, I'll I'll usually dive pretty deep into it. The first thing I normally do is go to brewing classic styles. Mm-hmm. If I've never brewed it before, I'll go to Brewing Classic Styles and just get an idea of what the style is and, you know, how to brew it classically. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll I'll listen to a podcast about the beer style and, you know, if I have any other ideas that I think would work with it or make it more to my liking. Mm -hmm. I, I usually don't adjust too much on the first time brewing it because, you know, you don't know what it is, really. Yeah. Until you brew it. <laughs> so when you're looking to do the classic styles, are you then going to, um, you know, books or blogs and, like, taking a recipe that's already established and brewing that? Or are you just looking at, 
oh, if it's a lager, I would use X amount of Pilsner and X amount of this other malt, or how are you doing that? It's, I mean, honestly, it's all different. Yeah. I've done it that way. I've done it completely from scratch. You know, it it just, I mean, it just depends on my mood, really. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if I want to try and nail a classic style, I will usually follow a recipe first. Yeah. Just to see, you know, how good I can get it. Because, mm. you know, I mean, it's a lot of it's the recipe, but it's also your equipment, your ingredients in your region, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just so many variables, you know, it could it's going to turn out different. Yeah. You know, most of the time when I brew it versus you brew it you know, over there, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a cop-out answer. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but... I've it... done so many batches that it's like, I think I've done it every which way. Yeah. You know? And there's no wrong way. There really isn't. I mean, no. I, I always say that, you know, for me, I'm very consistent in how I brew things. Like, I tend to follow the same process whether or not it's a lager or a stout or whatever I'm brewing. But I know some brewers will be like, well, if I'm brewing uh, a lager, I'm going to switch up and this is how I'll brew it. Um, so do you do the same thing? Like when you're brewing the classic styles, are you also looking at the historical slash classic way that that beer is brewed? Or are you just like, nah, this is my process and it'll be fine? No, usually I'll try to do it the classic way. Mm-hmm. But I'll also mess around with, uh, you know, the new thinkings of things. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I have, a, I have a dedicated lager tank that I will lager my beers for, you know, the traditional... Like three months. Whatever, a week, a week per degree Play-Doh. Mm. So, and that's just a dedicated tank that I don't need to worry about, and I can let it sit for a long time. Yeah. But um, I'll also do you know a, a fast logger method. Some people call it the tasty method. And what's that? Where you start off at a certain temperature, like fifty-five, mm-hmm. and then when you reach fifty percent attenuation you bump it up i can't remember exactly i'd have to look at it but it's basically a um like your gravity dictates when you can bump up temperature okay and i can get a lager done basically in ale time frame so you're still allowing then the lager yeast to sit at the bottom but then once you've hit like a certain part uh, a certain gravity you can bump up the temperature which is going to make it act quicker and not create any of like the off flavors that's the idea anyways i have never I haven't picked of up any off flavors at all yeah there's a there's a real name for it but i can't remember what it is okay have you looked up the tasty method yeah or the yeah the tasty method lagering or fast lagering mm-hmm. you'll find it okay and you use the tilt hydrometer too right yeah yeah i use uh, i love that thing yeah that's hand i mean that'll tell you when to bump up that temp (laughs) the temp is still i think from memory i believe i start off still you know somewhat low 55 degrees and then it'll end up you know like 64 or something like that Mm -hmm. but yeah it works 
That's awesome. The purists don't like it. <laughs> well, they're going to hate my yeah. method. <laughs> I, Which is the ale method? <laughs> uh, no, uh, well, sort of. I pressure ferment my lagers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I haven't messed with that yet. I, it works. I love it. It's um. So what I'm drinking right now is a clone of a Sam Adams Boston Lager, which is something I've always wanted to make, and it's turned out really well. I I mean, if you compare the two beers, you can tell which one is Sam Adams and which one's mine, which is neither a good nor a bad thing. But I got that knocked out in a week. Right. Like pressure fermentation is just fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And then. The other thing you can use it for, I I mean, I've done it, is when we made a body wine, I wanted to age it for two months. And it's great because, you know, you just put your spunding valve on and you set your PSI to 12, I think it was. And no air is getting in that. You're not going to have any suck back. You don't have to worry about your uh, basement being too cold or anything like that. It's just, right. yeah, it's great. I gotta try that. The only thing, the only thing that's a pain with it, although I've kind of missed it, is like it's a clear plastic bubble. So obviously you like wrap t-shirts, and this is such like a I've solved a problem that didn't need to be solved with my steel fermenters. Um, but you know, everyone starts with glass or the plastic um, bucket. So when I got this, like, oh no, all the light strike. And I was like, but this is how I started. This is how mm -hmm. most people do it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally yeah. recommend the Firmzilla pressure fermenter. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Mm -hmm. So then, when you when you've done your you nailed a classic style, what is then like? How do you think about? And obviously, it depends on what it is you're doing. But like, how do you think about changing or updating it? Like, do you do a ton of research into other flavors, or do you just like go with the random? Ah, eh, fuck it, we'll try it method. Yeah, I usually do that. <laughs> Most of the adjustments are just sensory. Yeah. I'll usually, you know, I'll do the classic uh, recipe just as a baseline because, I mean, you know, that will at least get you close. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm, I, I don't really try to nail, you know, classic styles yeah. anymore. Because I don't really do any competitions or anything anymore, mm -hmm. so I'm mostly going with you know what do I want to drink, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm really not picky. <laughs> I <don't really> find, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I. It's got beer in the name. I'm usually drinking it. I I totally agree, and I I'm with you. I don't really do competitions anymore either, because yeah, I I just like drinking what I what I drink and those yeah. aren't always the most technical uh, classic styles or they're going to score low to a certain criteria that isn't my top priority. You know, it's a, a funny little secret is I've done the best in competitions mm. with beers that I tasted and then decided what it is. <laughs> you know I mean, no matter what, yeah. you know, generally it's going to be close to what I brewed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I taste, you know, I'd taste it and I'm like, hmm, that really fits into the Baltic Porter category. Mm. What do you know? It's, Gold medal. 
it's weird because I brewed an IPA. <laughs> yeah, that would really be weird. <laughs> so when you when you've done like the classic styles, do you go to the liquor store and like find like a example of that to like compare, or do you think that's kind of a fool's errand? Um, it's I wouldn't call it a fool's errand, but it's more uh, I, I would do it for fun. Yeah, you know what I mean because a lot of these classic styles. You know, if you find them, who knows where they've been? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You get, you know, a Doppelbach or something that was propping the door open at the store, you know, for a month, and then you get it. <laughs> you know, who knows if that's how it's really supposed to be? Yeah. You know. So, but I mean, you usually you get you can find a good beer store that you know takes care of their stuff, mm-hmm. and you can find it then. Chances are it'll be a decent representation of the style. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just like you said with your clone, I don't know if I've ever cloned anything and been like, wow, I can't tell the difference between yeah. these two. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I have tried to clone some beers, and then it's like, you know, it's not the same, mm-hmm. but I like it. You yeah. know what I mean? And. Sometimes I'm afraid that, you know, it's just my bias that I know all the hard work that went into it and, you know, mm-hmm. everything. It's like, well, yeah, maybe that's why I like it, but does it really matter? No. If you I like it, like you it. like it. <laughs> right. well, yeah, I mean, and I, I will say cloning is a great way, I think, to learn how to brew beer. But to me, my journey has been like the more experienced I got with brewing, the more I moved away from cloning. But occasionally it's just like, well, no, that that's a good beer and I wonder if I can do it. But yeah. I know, like I knew when I bought a six pack of the Sam Adams to do the taste comparison, they weren't going to be the same. I was just kind of curious that, um, you know, followed everything right how different is it going to be and mm-hmm. mine doesn't have the bitterness that the um that the original has you're going to try to uh redo it and bump the bitter bitterness up or no no i oh. i've created a beer i really like so i'm just going to yeah. keep with that recipe it <laughs> yeah it's a yeah, beautiful that's my thing. problem too is like uh i get the people that want to rebrew and rebrew and really mm-hmm. hone it in but it's like yeah, I got too much ADD going on for that. I want to try something else. <laughs> and I mean, I'll I'll go back to recipes. I've definitely done, you know, recipes multiple times, but I yeah. very rarely do it, you know, right after mm-hmm. the first one, or you know, it'll be a couple months later or something. Yeah, you know, because you gotta drink that beer. That's a you good I mean? problem to have. It is, <laughs> and I, you know. Fortunately, I work with some professional beer drinkers too mm-hmm. that are willing to help. So, you know, yeah, it's never a problem. See, the the only thing I I've done is I've developed my house beer, which is like a low ABV English mild. So it's like mm-hmm. great if I always have this on tap. I've always got something I'm gonna want to drink, but I can mm-hmm. have three or four of them in the night and still wake up for work the next day. So, you know what you need for that beer. What's that? A beer engine. I know. I'm going on my nitro. Oh. So yeah, that's pretty good too. So Gamdude has a beer engine, which for those who don't know, is the traditional cask pull method of English ales. 
and I am very, very jealous because I really, really want one. Um, That's so awesome. It, yeah, and you sent me um, your English ale, um, and even though it like been in the post and in a bottle, it was so good. Well, I'm glad it it made it. I wasn't sure how that was gonna work out because I don't really carbonate it. No. You know, I le- left it sitting on um, maybe five pounds, if that. Yeah. So I mean. That's how it comes out of the beer engine. It's a beautiful and thing. And the beer engine's awesome, too, because I've started, when I brew a batch, I'll try to brew an extra gallon or two. That way, when I keg off of um, my uni tank, I can get the clearest beer. Mm-hmm. And then whatever's left, I'll put into another keg, and then I'll put that straight onto the beer engine. Nice. So it's, like, ready to... You know, it's right at, like, cask carbonation, generally. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're fermenting, it actually, the it does hold a little bit of CO2. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, too, if that press, pressure um, fermentation actually ha- would help, you know, hold even more. I don't know, actually. Does it seem like it takes less time to carbonate? or? Um, so, I will say that... When I've done lagers in the past, like my first one, um, and learning how to like put it in the keg and comedy of errors, like it foams pretty badly. Um, so it was way more carved than um, it was way more carved than uh, a beer that I'd fermented um, ale temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not carved enough for you to be like, oh, this beer is awesome and ready. So mm-hmm. I still do the overnight crank it up to 25. Um, okay. And I will say that actually gets it to perfectly carbonated. Whereas normally I found when you've done that, it's still just a little under carbonated, but I don't want to mm-hmm. leave it for too much longer because that CO2 is still soaking into the liquid. Yeah. Um, so it is quicker, um, but uh, yeah, it's not. The firmzilla say like, "Oh, you can ferment and serve all in one go," and it's like that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. A, it's gonna be warm, which any people listening, Brit- uh, Americans listening, British people don't like warm beer. We like cellar temperature beer. Thank you. Um, so it's gonna be warm. Which is something. C. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it's going to be warm and it's not going to be carbonated enough. And so it's like basically having a cause that is sat out on the counter for an hour. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. So no, no disrespect to cause drinkers out there. No. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What beer, what is the best beer you've ever brewed? Like, what beer are you adding to the ever-growing tap list of the homebrew pub? I think I'm going to add the beer that I'm sipping on tonight, which is, I'm calling it a farmhouse blonde, Mm -hmm. but it's basically a a table saison. 
Mm. It's a low alcohol, uh, right around 4% uh, Saison. And it's just delicious. I love sipping on it. Mm -hmm. And being 4%, you know, you can have a few. You don't need to worry about it. You can still get up for work the next day. It's a great thing. Yeah. So what kind of flavors are you getting from it? Oh, I get like just a little bit of clove, um, a little bit of spiciness, maybe a little lemony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just all all around light flavor profile. It looks gorgeous on the camera. Yeah, it's turned out really nice. Yeah. And, and is, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, right? Yep. So the recipe is going to go in the show notes, so everyone can brew and drink along. Is there any adjuncts in it? I mean, is that all of that fruit just coming from the yeast itself, or did you add like any anything in the secondary? No, there is um, not in the sec. I didn't add any fruit or anything, but I did add. Uh, I added some sugar in the boil, hmm. which you know helped dry it out, and I think that helps bring to the front those subtle flavors. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, just looking at the recipe here to make sure I didn't add anything to it. <laughs> no, I didn't. The only thing I added was sugar. It has some flaked rye in it and mm-hmm. Munich malt. So, but the sugar was just there to thin out the body because I know when we were talking before we were recording, actually we were recording the entire time. But before we did launched into the uh, into this, um, you you said it was like kind of wine like. Yeah, it, I mean. It's really hard for me to explain. I don't really know much about wine, mm-hmm. so I couldn't say how much wine like it is. There's two kinds, white and red. Oh, wow. There you go. How's that for knowledge? There you go. <laughs> now, I would say that, um, yeah, it's just an easy drinking table Cezanne. Beautiful. I mean, if you like Cezannes, you'll like it. I do enjoy and a good Cezanne. And if anyone has any uh, on you know, they want to brew it and they have any other questions, they can, you know, message me or whatever and I'll help them out. But it's real simple and, you know, fairly forgiving, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the yeast is doing a lot of the work, too. I use the White Labs Belgian Saison, mm. the uh, WLP 568. And I think that's where, you know, you get a lot of flavor. Yeah. But now I'm looking at it. I I think I'm tasting the rye in it too. Okay. Really good. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Should send you one. Please. Well, I still owe you beer. <laughs> what beer then was the worst beer you've ever brewed? Like, what is what is Gam Dude never repeating? Well, I had this. Man, this is just a. I don't even know where to begin with this beer. <laughs> um, no, the thing is though is that it wasn't super bad it was just really weird and i think i've got it narrowed down to two things well the one is i just wanted to brew and there was no plan whatsoever Mm -hmm. so i looked at what i had and this was earlier on in my brewing so i didn't have a full grasp on everything so basically i i had yeast that had gone through a couple of different beers and I was reharvesting yeast and it and I just finished a pretty big stout and the yeast is actually uh San Diego super yeast 
WLP090. It's supposed to be a high alcohol tolerant yeast. Yeah. But um, so I think that's one of the factors it could have been. And then another factor was is I had honey malt. And I'm like, I like honey. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I put probably way too much. I don't even remember how much. Mm-hmm. But that was the, the, the malt bill was basically like two row and honey malt. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like 50 pounds of it or anything, but I mean, it was probably like a couple pounds. Yeah. Which is, way way too much it's it's actually got me kind of nervous about using honey malt anymore it's easy to go overboard on honey malt and using honey generally because i i've made honey bears before and have gone way too heavy on the honey yeah so when it came out like i said it didn't taste like disgusting or anything but it was really it was weird it reminded me of like it had had like a um like an herbal tea kind of thing going on. So I'm like, well, that sucks, you know? So I'm like, well, I mean, I might as well try something before I dump it out. Mm-hmm. So I thought, and I, I made a, um, like a, a strong Tai Chi or not Tai Chi. <laughs> chai tea. I was going to say it was a very slow moving purposeful yeah. beer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, this uh, the ABV of this beer isn't low enough. <laughs> Anyways, so I made the tea a little, you know, tincture of it, and added it to it, and made a chai beer. Nice. And I re- like didn't really care for it too much, but my wife loved it. Yeah. So I've got a I've got a chai beer that my wife always asks for. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then like the last time I made it, it got infected, and I was so bummed. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a unique flavor. Yeah. But so that was uh that's not that's one that I have not brewed again. Fair enough. Or do I want to? <laughs> so we're sitting here in the homebrew pub and in this mystical realm the homebrew pub will change into whatever the guest brewer wants it to be. So if you were to have your own brew pub what would it be called, and what would the atmosphere be like? Well, it would be very cleverly called Gamdud Brew Pub. <laughs> Obviously. You have your branding. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that, and I couldn't really... I couldn't imagine what I'd want, because I can't get over the fact that the building that I find would dictate a lot of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But... I do like, you know, the steampunk kind of look and feel, so I think that would have to come out in there. Yeah. And more than anything, just be inviting and mm-hmm. clean. And also, uh, you know, a beer in people's hands in record time. Like when you come in the door, <laughs> what are you drinking? Just, I'm just, just going by the things that I would like to see when I go somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for a table or I'm waiting for a stool, and it's like, how come nobody's asking me what I want to drink? Mm-hmm. You know, I can stand here with a beer. <laughs> I need to sit down. Yeah, that's so. that's the best thing about beer. You can enjoy it standing up, sitting down, lying yeah. down. So in my brew pub, you're going to get a beer quick. I just have this image of walking into your brew pub and you or the bartender just sliding any random beer down oh, yeah. the bar 
but it's exactly what I wanted at that very moment in time. Like, it would be that Saison, which sounds absolutely amazing. That's how I want it to be, man. Beautiful. <laughs> well, then, everyone, come and join us in Gam Dude's Brew Pub, where you walk in and a beer magically appears in your hand. Boom. Boom. Huge thank you to my friend Billy, also known as Gam Dude. If you want to follow Gam Dude, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Gam Dude, uh, which is G A M N D O O D. He is such a great resource of brewing knowledge. I've reached out to him a ton of times uh, just to try and get some questions answered um, and gain some more understanding. Uh, And his brewing setup's pretty sweet, so you should definitely check that out. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social, at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers.